I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. Fight Night Extra with myself, Adi Oladipo and the great Gareth A. Davis. Today, we're going to be talking about a dominant win for Inoue, who made it light work of Stephen Fulton en route to becoming a four-weight world champion. Uh, where does he now rank? on the pound-for-pound list, and who is above him if he isn't your number one. Elsewhere over the weekend, we witnessed some shocking judging in America as George Cambosos was awarded a win over Maxi Hughes. Many, including myself, believe Hughes won that fight, but it was the Australian who had his hand raised at the end. We'll discuss what impact yet another questionable bit of judging could have on the sport. One of the biggest fights in recent memory goes down this weekend. Terence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. will finally meet in Las Vegas for all the marbles at 147 pounds, we're going to get stuck into the fight in detail. And we are going to hear from both men as well. And look, myself and Gareth are going to get stuck into the heavyweight division. A lot has happened since the last time we did a show together. All right, loads to go through. Let's cram all in in one hour. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. I wasn't supposed to be in George's league tonight. Come showed I should have had my belt coming home, you know, I should have had my hand raised, but everybody here now knows who Max Hughes is, getting lots of cheers, so, you know, thank you, Oklahoma. Thanks for everybody cheering me on and coming to support the fight, so thank you. This fight is a proper boxing match between two guys at the top of the game and difficult to pick a winner, but I'd say, and I'd personally make Terence Crawford a slight favourite. I mean, they're both just fantastic fighters. Gareth, we have to start with, I guess what we both have just witnessed, right? Inoue, um destroying uh, Stephen Fulton, becoming a four-weight world champion. Uh, incredible performance from Inoue. Jumps right up to the top of my pound-for-pound list now. Again, first time as a super bantamweight, calling out the number one and then doing that to the number one in the division. That's impressive. Yeah, they were number one and number two in the division. He's very, very impressive is the monster. He's called that for a reason. That's mm. 22 stoppages in 25 now. Um, when you That's heavyweight numbers. That's Deontay Wilder numbers. <laughs> that's size, force, um, height, reach, um, weight and power. So um, he is a freak. He's called a monster for a reason. I mean, I, I thought that Fulton, who's a very slick boxer, would, mm. um, you know, the man from Philly, would look good. Um, he'd look a billion dollars for five rounds, I thought. But as he calls yeah. himself, but um, I knew he's too good. And she's just too yeah. powerful. No one can live with him. 
over these four weight divisions now. Uh, I agree with you. He's top of the pound for pound list, but maybe till Saturday night in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, indeed he is. Um, I said at the start, I think Stephen Fulton is a very good boxer, very good fighter. The problem is Inouye probably is a generational talent now. That's what we're seeing, right? As you say, no one's been able to live with him as he's run through the weight divisions. The only, I guess, struggle he had was against Nanito Donaire a couple of years ago. They they redid that fight and he destroyed Donaire. So um, I already look at it and I think, okay, who can beat him at the featherweight? I'm already like jumping already. I mean, I'm already thinking, okay, like, like for example, Lee Woods, the WBA champion. I, I, I love Lee. I, I know Lee personally. He's a great guy, a good fighter. Lee Wood ain't beaten Inoue. Oh, it's a big call. Um, it's a big call. I just did it. I just did it. I don't think he's doing it. Maybe you're right, but maybe Lee Wood doesn't beat him in Japan, but maybe Lee Wood beats him over here. Mm. Um, top rank. That would be some atmosphere, yeah, top, wouldn't it? Wow. Top, yeah, exactly. Top rank, Brad Jacobs, Carl Moretti, uh, Bob Aram, Todd Zabuff done a great job with Inui, taking him on board and letting him reign over there in Japan. Let's be clear about this. He's a Canelo in Japan. Maybe not as big as Canelo, but he's a superstar. Mm. He's like a pop star over there. He's yeah. absolutely adored by the Japanese. Um, he, he is a generational talent, no doubt about it. What he's done in four weight divisions is extraordinary. These guys, if he'd been going from light middleweight to cruiser or light middleweight to light heavy, uh, everybody, everybody outside boxing would know his name as well. He is known in the Far East, obviously, mm. um, in that way. But I just think keep it. they've marketed him very well. Obviously, they brought him over to America and moved around a little bit. But they've been very clever about it. I think you're right. I think, you know... The super fight now, this was kind of one of those greatly anticipated in trade in tra inside trade fights in boxing that Agreed. people were anticipating. Agreed. But look how facile it was for him. Look how easy mm. it was for him to, to wipe the floor, to eviscerate this guy. Um, maybe the call is bring him up to featherweight now and say to America, you need to watch this guy. Let's do one fight at featherweight in Japan. Let's bring him on a tour of the world after that because... It's got to stop somewhere. Hey, at Super yeah. Feather, uh, if he went to Super Feather, he's fighting Shakur. Yeah, not anymore, no, no, but he would have been. Yeah, you know, he would have been. He would have been. It's it's funny how some people have already put um, sort of memes and pictures together of him versus Javante. Like, can Javante make one thirty? Could Inoue go up to one thirty? Because Inoue almost needs to fight a puncher, because it almost felt like at times. He felt Fulton's punches and it was, he disregarded them. It was almost an arrogance of, that's nothing. I'm just going to come straight forward. Even though you're the naturally bigger man, you clearly can't hit as hard as I can. I feel like he needs to fight someone that's going to test his chin so he almost gains their respect well, immediately because he had he, no respect for Fulton. Here's one that, that top rank could do. You won't agree with this, but given that Michael Conlon's with top rank, um, a featherweight fight between those two, Inouye yeah. and, and Michael Conlon, is, might be in a promoter's mind. I'm thinking like a promoter now, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And you bring him to the UK or you bring him to Ireland, you bring him to Belfast. He probably, I don't know what kind of fees he commands now. I imagine it's fairly big, um, mm. fairly hefty fees. But I'm trying to think through the featherweights now. Um, can you bring, can you bring... I don't think he beats Javonta Davis, even though weight drained Javonta Davis at featherweight. I think that's different fish altogether. 
Um, yeah, yeah, you're stepping into a pond full of sharks now. What a you? what a fight that would be, though. Oh my <laughs> god! You know, I mean, because oh they're around. Javante's thick, but height wise, I'm guessing they're exactly the same. If five not, four, might be an inch five four, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I know, mean, and um, yeah. he, he carry. He seems to carry the weight quite well in it. Like I look at his body shape, and I'm thinking, okay, you can put on another four or five pounds, and it yeah. won't take much away from you still. Yeah, absolutely. He's well. He's lucky. He's putting on weight. The more his power carries, the more they will try and do this. But you know, he might stay at Super Bantam for a while now and try and yeah, drill the division, basically. You know, so do, do top rank and you mentioned the job that Todd DeBuff and Bob Arum are doing with him in order to make him that worldwide superstar. And that's what they want, right? They want a, someone that they can chuck on American pay per view and he does incredible numbers, a, a bit like the way Manny Pacquiao came through. They're going to need to find a matchup in the States, aren't they? They're going to need to find someone that really ticks all the boxes in terms of draws in the casual fans. Because look, what he's doing in Japan is fantastic. But in order to become a boxing superstar, you still need to fight in Las Vegas or Madison Square Garden. Yeah, you do. And, you know, weirdly, you know, outside Stephen Fulton, there's Marlon Tapales, isn't there? WBA and IBF champion. Fulton held two of the belts. Um, I've got a list in front of me, strange enough, because I thought you'd ask me. There aren't, you know, when you think of the 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 UK fighters, you're looking at, you know, uh, there isn't really a lot of big names out there. You've got Liam Davis, you've got Jason Cunningham. These are the kind of guys you've got um, who could face him. Um, but in America... That, that's why I said, Gareth, that's why I said, go to featherweight. Because in yeah, terms of I the mean, exciting yeah, fights at Super yeah. Bantam, there isn't yeah. one. There isn't yeah. one. Yeah, there's there's Akhmadaliev, uh, Murajan mm. Akhmadaliev, who's very highly ranked in all the four. Not a big name. Lewis Neary, by the way, who's, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is there. But then if you throw him up to featherweight, Ray Vargas, big name in America. Yes. Lee yes. Woods, Rob C. Ramirez. Um, yeah. I mean, God, Josh Warrington. Not a big yeah. puncher, is he, Josh? Um, Mauricio Lara. Mauricio, coming up on Mauricio Lara. Oh my! Now we're talking because that's a puncher. Oh, that's the carnage I need in my life right well, now. Well, that would require top rank to align with with the zone, with the zone, and with with yeah. Eddie Hearn on that one. I'm not sure it's a super fight. It's one that we might imagine as as a super fight, but uh, it's a, it's a really it's a, it's a very very interesting discussion um does he jump straight away god that would be extraordinary um you know when you think about nonito donair and what he's done what's he he must be across five weight divisions now in terms of i think five yeah Yeah, so i mean not as champion in them all but you know i think he could do it i think he's you know even when nonito has gone up to feather we've always said about him that um that he he was shot like three or four years ago. I thought he looked shot against Carl Frampton, but mm-hmm. he, he's had two or three incredible performances since then. Um, yeah. You know, maybe with two quicks jump. Oh my god, that that is a that's really got me thinking. Um, yeah, no, no, uh, no. I, no, should, no. I, mean, I, should, I, I spent the morning with, with with Frank Smith this morning talking about promotion, the CEO of Matchroom Boxing, about how promoters think, and we often do when we're discussing on this show and. They'll be they'll be thinking about that. Brad Jacobs and and Todd DeBuff and, and Bob Aaron will be having those chats right now, I imagine, after that performance 
in, yeah, in because Tokyo they, they have yeah they, yeah, they yeah. have a genuine superstar. Do, do, do you agree on that? He's pound for pound number one status. It's been Usyk, it's been Crawford. Some people say Spence could be there. Do you agree that it is today at least anyway, Inoue? Yes, today. He's definitely, yeah. he's definitely the pound for pound number one today. Absolutely yeah. no question about it. No question yeah, at all. Indeed. Uh, we are going to talk about Spence Crawford a bit later. We're going to talk some heavyweight action as well. I want to quickly get your thoughts on uh, the UFC action that happened uh, on the weekend. Uh, UFC London. There's a couple of interesting things here. It wasn't full, which is quite rare for a UFC event. I yep. think their, I think their ticket prices now need to be looked at because not just the ticket prices, but the card needs to be looked at as well. You can't just chuck sort of Brits on it. Sometimes you do need a superstar name on that card as well to get all the, the UFC fans over. But Tom Aspinall won. And he immediately said he's going to go and watch Cyril in France. And then he watched John Jones. What do you, what do you make of that? Tom Aspinall's chances against Cyril Garn first and then the great one, John Jones. I think he's got a very good chance against Cyril Garn. He's got very fast mm. hands anyway. Um, you know, Aspinall's been around MMA all his life. His father's a, a, a jiu-jitsu. He's got a jiu-jitsu school. Um, mm. He's been around that, that milieu, if I can use that expression again, that I always do. It's, you know, in that environment since a young child. He's born for it. He's come back from a horrific injury uh, to his knee, tore his knee against um, Curtis Blades. Uh, was that just over a year ago, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. And um, he looked every part, the, the, the challenger for the heavyweight title on Saturday night, said all the right things. Um, I've just been chatting to Michael Bisping this morning, the guy commentating on it last night. Not the guy commentating on Saturday night. The British MMA the, legend. Yeah. Um, former UFC middleweight champion yeah, show some yeah, respect exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. the man who's given an eye to the sport literally <laughs> yes. lost an eye for it um, Michael thinks that Tom Aspinall has got the wherewithal the fast hands and the skills and the youth and exuberance to beat John Jones uh, in heavyweight MMA in heavyweight UFC uh, I think from middleweight actually onwards we were talking about that this morning the best thing from middleweight upwards one jab can change a fight. Did the other day, as he said, with Drikas Duplessis against mm. um, Robert Whittaker. Um, when you're when you're you know two hundred odd pounds in the cage uh, or in the octagon, um, a jab with a four ounce glove can put you away. So um, that's that's a great opportunity for Aspinall. More than any other division, uh, he's yeah. got a good opportunity. But sorry. The goat smokes all of them. Jones smokes yeah. all. I know. I know you didn't used to think that. No, no. <laughs> I listen. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Tom Aspinall <laughs> would have problems against Francis Ngannou. Would have problems against. But he's got time, and he's got the armory, and he's got the resilience and the desire on his side. I think he will be a, a UFC heavyweight champion. Maybe not in the first time of asking, but he'll get there, um, mm. and it'll be brilliant for British MMA. I love what you said because I was wait, I was thinking, okay, where's he going to go with this? And then he was like, but John Jones is John Jones. And I love that. I love that. You're right. I mean, he, he can beat Cyril Garley. He could beat a lot of the other guys in the heavyweight division. He'll beat Stipe. Will he beat Stipe? Oh, that's a good one, you know. I'm going to say yes now because of how inactive Stipe's been. Stipe is just like, he's, he's not even a part-time fighter at this stage of his career, is he? He's 41. I, mean, I know he's fighting John. He's 41. But- He's, is that how old Stipe is now? I think he is. Because I know Stipe. I don't want to get it wrong. No, but to be fair, he's been around a long time. It, would, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, John Jones must be 34, 35. So, yeah, Stipe must be old. 
Yeah, I want to say. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say he's forty. Go on, you're he's, checking now. He's forty. He's forty. He's forty. That's close. Forty. Well, forty to forty-one. What's what's the year between friends? What's the year between? Listen, friends? when Anderson right, Silva got nearly got to fifty, he got beaten by Jake Paul, and he's the greatest mixed martial yeah, artist. I know. Oh, certainly not greatest knockout artist uh, yes. we we've ever seen. You know, uh, Jones is thirty-six, yeah. by the way, as well. You know, Jeez, he's getting on. Yeah. They all are. He's getting on, isn't he? Wow. Well, I remember him as a 20-year-old. 36. Incredible. Incredible. All right, you're listening to Fight Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we are going to look ahead to one of the most anticipated fights in years, if not decades, Spence versus Terence Crawford. And we're going to get stuck into the heavyweights. Myself and Gareth had yet to discuss two major fights announced recently. But up next, we are talking more questionable judging this weekend. Maxi Hughes, unfortunate, I think, to lose to George Cambosos. Will there be any ramifications for poor officiating? That's coming up next. Welcome back to Final Extra. Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. Um, a fight that I think would have been forgotten about because that's what we do with boxing and dreadful decisions. We move on very, very quickly. The sport, the sport is the sport. Uh, Maxi Hughes, I thought, was on the end of some poor officiating at the weekend as he lost to George Cambosos in what was Cambosa's first fight since those back-to-back defeats to Devin Haney. Um, very quickly, I, I had the fight 116-112, uh, Maxi Hughes. Uh, some had it Cambosos that way. I think the problem, Gareth, probably is that 117-111 scorecard. Uh, I think most people didn't see it that wide, at least not that wide for Cambosos. Uh, what did you make of it before we talk about should there be any ramifications or anything like that? What did you make of the fight? Well, it was in Shawnee, Oklahoma, which means they they, they favour aggressive, um, mm. offensive fighting. Um, what did I make of it? I haven't seen the entire fight. I'm going to be completely honest. Okay. I've only seen Good. highlights so far. Um, but from honesty. what I saw, Maxi Hughes was outboxing George Cambosos, and George Cambosos was doing what he does, which is ploughing forward, throwing big shots, being eye-catching without being effective the whole time. Hughes is a very clever, elusive boxer. And I said this last week on a couple of shows that I was doing in different places, not to mention Talk Sport, that Maxi Hughes is an underrated and very clever boxer. And he's, yeah. he was the underdog with the favourites. But it was, it was a fight that a lot of people, if they were betting on, was worth betting on the underdog. Um, yeah. And I think that happened. It was a matador and a bull fight. And the matador never got caught too much by the horns, let's be honest. Yeah. And he used his cape well. And it, I mean, listen, I'm going off what you're saying. People like Tim Bradley have said. Mm. Um, these guys, you know, don't kind of make this up. You're not making it up. On the eye test, Cambosos is always a powerful an aggressive fighter. Look what Devin Haney did to him with his boxing skills. And then in the second fight, took it to him as well. Found the openings and hit him to the body enormously before that Lomachenko exhibition to the body as well. Um, What we've got to look at in all of this is incompetent judging. A lot of people don't score fights, so they're doing it by the eye test. Um, And obviously by the eye test on Saturday night, Maxi Hughes was the one doing the job, properly mm. boxing. What we need is to rid ourselves of incompetent judging. But I think that that 17 11, uh, which is six rounds apart, so someone's scoring it um, not even eight rounds to four, they're scoring it yeah, nine, nine rounds three. to three uh, mm. in favour of Cambosis. That doesn't seem right to me, not from what ev- all the reports I've read. Um, you know, 
I just don't see that as right. Yeah, I think that's the issue here, isn't it? The swing's too big. So most people, and again, a lot of people in the boxing game that I respect and who watched the fight, I was watching their their scoring and they were scoring it. And most had it 116-112, 115-130, but most had it that way to Hughes. So for a, a judge to have it that way, the opposite way round, it's kind of like, okay, one second. And look, I'm not trying to say that judge is corrupt. Or, you know, it could just be incompetence. But even if it is incompetence, he should be looked at. Okay, that maybe you've got something wrong here. Let's have a look. Let's watch the fight back. How did you score this? How did you score that? Because we can't have incompetent judges because yeah. it costs the fighters too much. For Maxi Hughes, this was his American dream. I've interviewed him a few times. He's always spoke about, I want to get to America. I want the opportunity. I want my fans to go over. Yes, it wasn't Madison Square Garden of Vegas, but it was still America. If he won that fight, the next fight, he's going to get paid well because now he beat Cambosos. Now, though, it starts again. He starts again. Cambosos moves on. And we saw the, the Cambosos Shakur Stevenson face off. Look, I'm not trying to say Maxi would have got the Shakur fight, but he puts his name out there to get a big fight. And it, it just affects the fight is too much. Incompetent judging is just too... It, it, it ruins fighters' lives a bit too much. It did the same thing with Jack Catchell, Josh Taylor. Jack Catchell should be an undisputed and his next fight, he should have made a million. Now he's starting again, no belts, and he's stopped fighting for thousands. It's just not fair on the fighters. And I think that that judge, I can't remember his name, but that judge should be suspended until it's been reviewed. I'm not trying to say sack him until it's been reviewed. And then if it's reviewed and everyone feels like, okay, he got it right, fine. You bring him back in. But he can't get away scot-free with that kind of scorecard. No, I agree. And, um, you know, we, we, we have this discussion. I think it's pretty much every month, you know. Yeah, um, no. There's a fight every month that we talk about that we're not, uh, happy about so um, you know I think it's incumbent upon the, the, the I mean the sanctioning bodies will tell us that they do do this but they don't and they don't do it mm -hmm. enough um, and you know when these things happen and like you say the outcome for um, fighters is is catastrophic in some cases very difficult for Maxi Hughes who's highly ranked in two of the uh, governing bodies uh, sanctioning bodies of course um, to actually, you know, just come and find a way forward. I mean, like you say, he should have had a. He should be looking at this on Monday morning, going, "Can I really call out Devon Haney?" Um, you know, the, and, the, and the, you know, mm. overall, the lightweight division um, has taken a hit from this. I mean, I, I, I do believe he's going to appeal it. Um, I, I've read in, from various sources. Um, I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, for goodness sake, even though he lost the rematch, look what happened to George Groves when he appealed the IBF uh, loss to, yeah, yeah. to, to um, Carl Froch. He ended up fighting at Wembley Stadium um, in front of 80,000 uh, people. Um, I'm trying to find... How many? Eight, uh, <laughs> it was Joseph Mason, by the way. That's uh, it, the, Joseph the, the judge Mason. Who the had judge, yeah. Hughes winning by just... Oh, scoring just uh, three... Um, just three rounds in the fight. Look, um, the trouble is, Cambosos now has the opportunity to fight for the IBF world title. It doesn't seem right to me. Um, and, it, and it is something that boxing really needs to get a hold of. Mm. Did Cambosos just have an outlandish, very good night against Teofimo Lopez? Like we've seen some fighters have, right? Where everything just goes right. It's all perfect. Athletes have them all the time. Um, 
like Bob Beeman, like he just had that time when he was just that good, <laughs> that hit that jump, right? Hit that yeah. jump and could yeah. never do it again. I just think of Cambosos and I think, did he just have a night like that? Because I've watched him now. Look, Devin Haney's incredible, but Maxi Hughes, and I love Maxi, Maxi's not Devin Haney. And I thought Maxi beat him. So I just wonder if Cambosos is still that guy or maybe, you know, long career, uh, hunger maybe. Maybe it's just not well, working for I, him anymore. I'm not quite sure. Styles make fights, don't they? And Cambosos, Cambosos wants to tear up. Teofimo mm. Lopez came at him like a bull at a red rag on a gate, didn't he, that night? Got knocked out early, camp, down early rather. Um, Cambosos took over in the contest. And I think yeah. what he doesn't want, he, he, he's that kind of emotional, fiery, Spartan-like figure, isn't he? Um, and that's, that's how he boxes, that's how he sees his fighting um, kind of warrior spirit. And I think mm. if he's forced to box, that's not his style. And I think everyone said, I mean, I remember speaking to Barry Jones about it on Saturday night, and we, we both thought that Hughes could force the upset. I mean, many people, as I say, think he should have. Um, and, and the annoying thing is, Maxi Hughes probably hasn't had the credit in this country that he actually deserves as well um, sure. in that lightweight division. It's all been all about the featherweights in the last... A uh, couple of years, really, um, and I think they should appeal, and I think we should get behind him, and we should should say that this is a travesty um, at yeah. the very most, and um, you know, rather like it was with with Jack Catterall, and and I'm glad Jack Catterall and Josh Taylor are going at it again online because we want to light a fire under that and get those two in the ring again, because again, it's a, mm. it's a rematch we missed out on. Cambosos said he was open to the rematch, by the way, I believe, afterwards. So hopefully they get it done. Yeah, very, very quickly, very quickly on this one. Bob Arum did say that Shakur Stevenson is going to have a big fight in November. It looks like we're going to see Devin Haney versus Regis Progre at 140. Does that mean Shakur fights Loma? Is that the big fight he's talking about? Well, I've been talking to them about that. I think that's the fight that's very easy to make, obviously, because Lomachenko um, is... Was he? He's ranked one with the WBC, uh, three and f three with both the WBA and IBF, and two with the WBO. But he ain't getting a Devon Haney rematch anytime soon. Mm. Uh, Shakur, obviously, Stevenson is with top rank. It's a very easy. I think it's an easy fight to make. It and these these fight, Ukrainians yeah. don't say no to anyone. Uh, and yeah. and Shakur yeah. doesn't say no either. But by the way, also Shakur was there on Saturday night as well. And he was, he was and he was running he was running Cambosos down and saying you didn't win there, by the way. And I'll like I'll, I'll light you up, you know? I love the way Shakur's at every fight now. Every fight, anyone from one thirty five yeah. to one four seven, yeah. he's there saying I'll beat you. Yeah. He's he's the Clarissa Shields. Clarissa's there at every fight and every event as well in, in in around her weight division and in the men's. I'm surprised she's not calling out the men, to be honest. She's at every fight there is. Yeah, no, she really, she really is. All right, um, up next, uh, we are going to talk about the biggest fight, I think, in the last decade. Happens this weekend, Las Vegas. Undisputed crown will be crowned. Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The most anticipated fight of the year comes your way. It's the most significant fight within boxing since Golovkin and Canelo. The undisputed welterweight championship of the world is on the line between two undefeated champions. This fight is a proper boxing match between two guys at the top of the game. From Omaha, Nebraska, 39-0 with 30 knockouts, Terrence Bud Crawford. Moments like these, they don't come often, and this is my time. Terrence Crawford has become an American star. Errol Spence Jr. The only thing last thing to do is to beat Terrence Crawford. Spence Jr. is the one who's had much more success in the last few minutes. Arkell Brooks here, and he's down! Errol Spence Jr. They say the next Floyd Mayweather. The winner Saturday night will be the best fighter in boxing, period. This is a fight that's been marinating for years. This is greatness. Welcome back to Final Extra Adiola Dufo, Gareth A. Davis. Right, we've had some big fights uh, this year. I think it's been a good year for boxing, minus the heavyweights, of course, but it's been a big year. Uh, it doesn't get any bigger than this, though. Uh, Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford are finally going to get it on, and it's for the undisputed titles in the welterweight division. Someone's O has got to go. Gareth A. Davis, whose O is going to go? Well, it might be a split draw. <laughs> we, we hope not. But you are I, would, yes. Don't rule that out. Don't rule yeah. that out. Um, mm. I called it a split draw. We've been waiting for this fight for about four and a half years. I think, since, I think yes. Terence Crawford's been... He's been a, a welterweight um, champion, world champion, since 2018, I believe. Um, mm. In those five years, he's stopped all seven of his opponents. Stopped Jeez. them. Stopped them. Jeez. Stopped them. <laughs> all of them. 
four years ago for the Ring magazine for the great Thomas Hauser, who's a biographer of Muhammad Ali, a very good friend of mine, you know, and a, a, a winner of the Nat Fleischer Award, a long-standing guy in, in boxing writing, you know, for, going back 40, 50 years. Um, he asked me and a few others from around the world to complete this grid on the welterweight division at the time. And at the time it had um, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, Keith Thurman. Spence and Crawford. There might have been one yeah. other, but there was a grid. Kelbrook, I was a- maybe. I was able to pick all the winners. Spence and Crawford beat everyone else. But when it came to them, I, I picked split draw four years ago. I'm not that much different now on it. Mm. I, yeah. I'm going for Terence Crawford. Yes. Purely because I think he's more adaptable, but we might be very surprised at how strong Errol Spence is and that he's naturally the bigger man. But I just think Terence Crawford might have it. And I, I also feel, Eddie, that a new lease of life has been given to Errol Spence since that horrific car crash that when you watch it again, I watched it a few days ago. I don't know how he's walked away from alive it. and not disabled yeah. yet. How he doesn't have a so, disability. Maybe he's got God on his side, in his own head, yeah. in his people's head. He's he's yeah. here for a reason, and there's a message. And um, but it's a fan's fan's favorite fight. The sad thing about it, I don't agree with you that it's the biggest fight in the last decade. Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather was late; they weren't in their prime. It was four years mm. too late, but that yeah. was enormous. So too was Canelo and Golovkin, an enormous that, yeah, fight. That, that I'd I'd go. I would definitely say Canelo Golovkin won. Yeah, yeah, yeah won. Was, yeah, because Golovkin yeah. wasn't. Golovkin won it. Let's be honest. Yeah, he did. I, I he think did. he did anyway. He did. I think he won he it eight did. four he did. that night in he rounds. Did. He won that. He won that fight. Yeah, he was still. That was his last peak performance. That was his peak. Yeah, he was thirty six, I think, then or thirty five or whatever he was. Mm. And Canelo was what twenty eight, twenty seven. Wasn't quite what he became. Um, but. Overall, I agree, it's a massive fight. But in terms of global outreach, it's not as big as the others. No, it's certainly not as big. So in weirdly, terms of like numbers, weirdly. It's crazy, isn't it? In terms of numbers, you're right. It, it won't do anything like Floyd Manny, no chance. And it won't no. do Canelo Golovkin either, no. agreed. But this could be, could be pound for pound number one versus number five. It could be that. Oh, no, the winner um, is pound for pound number one. The yeah, winner yeah, whoever, is pound yeah, whoever for wins pound this is un, un, unequivocally, yeah, number one in the division. Mm. And I think potentially moves up to 154 as well. Spence certainly Ooh, will. Yeah. And I think Terence could as well, just because I don't think, are they going to stay around for Jaron Ennis, Virginal Tees? I, I don't, they're not big enough fights for them at this stage. I think they both. Potentially go up to 154. And no, they stay and fight each other. They fight each other. Fight each other till you can no longer fight. Have a trilogy. If it's so close, it's split draw, controversial, uh, or a split decision, let's have another fight. Let's decide it. Yeah, oh, there's definitely rematch clauses upon rematch clauses yeah. upon rematch yeah. clauses in this What's wrong with that? that contract. What's wrong with no, these two finishing with three fights against each other? Oh, no, take my money now. Yeah, take my exactly. money exactly. right now. Exactly. Let's hear from both fighters. Let's hear from... Uh, Terence Crawford first, who spoke about preparation for this fight and says, you know, regardless of the opponent, the preparation stays the same. Of course, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm always dialed in. I'm always focused for any opponent. And this is no different than any other opponent that I faced in the past. So there's no extra added motivation. There's no, you're not amped up even that much more. It's just kind of like, this is what I have to do. 
I'm amped up about the fight, but at the same time, my focus is on the same level. I'm always extremely, extremely focused for the job at hand, and I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm more focused for this fight than I am for any other fight because I'll be lying to you. Now, the great Terence Crawford there speaking uh, to Showtime, and, and look, he's right. I mean, look, obviously, he's got in front of him an absolute monster in Errol Spence, but he can't change preparation. He's unbeaten. He's a freeweight world champion, undisputed at 140. He's got to think of whatever got me to this stage, I've got to keep on doing. Yeah, absolutely. I completely mm -hmm. agree. Completely agree. Um, look, the weird thing about this contest is Errol Spence has the greater output in terms of punches, but Terence Crawford has spite in his punches and is much more mm -hmm. patient as a fighter. So... I know we're going to hear from both of them, but it, you know they're, they're both phenomenal, phenomenal fighters, and it and it's a, it's a, it's a, just a contest you cannot avoid if you have any no, you interest in fight sports. You can't sleep. No, on I, I agree. You've got to you watch it live as well. Only one chance 100. to watch it as live. You know, live. You've live. got to. If you're one of those people that fall asleep and watch the highlights in the morning, you've missed out. Um, let's hear from Errol Spence as well. There's been a lot of talk recently about. Dads as trainers, dads in their corner. Obviously, it's Derek James as the head coach, but um, Errol Spence's dad, uh, Errol Spence Sr., is in the corner as well. And Errol Spence spoke about the importance of having his dad there with him. Yeah, I, I basically call him my shadow because he's behind me, but he always, you know, making sure I'm good. He always watching. He always on point. He's not talking much, but he always keeps his eyes open and always paying attention. And that's what, you know, I feel like everybody needs somebody who's out for your best interest. And, uh, he, I started this with him, and he didn't know he didn't know where I was gonna be. He didn't know I was gonna get to this point. He didn't even know I was gonna be good. And you know, he sacrificed a lot, you know, to get me to this point and give me and bring me to the gym after working graveyard shifts and coming home 11 o'clock, getting three, four hours of rest. And I come home from school, we going to the boxing gym. He was doing that for years, so I was able to drive, and he still saved me to the gym. He still saved me to the gym today. He still come to my house and pick me up. So he picked you up today. Oh, I man, he picked me up every day. Like, oh, wow. when I'm at home, he still takes me to the gym to this day. I'm 33 years old, and he still comes to my house, picks me up, and we go to the gym. We've been doing it since day one. We are seeing a lot of these sort of uh, father-son relationships in boxing. Obviously, we, we've been privy to so many. What would you make of them? Some people seem to think they're great. Some people think maybe not so, father-son trainers. I think it depends family to family. I mean, we've recently got yeah. Adam Hamed and Nassim. Prince Nassim yeah, Hamid, haven't we? Yes. We've got, in the UK at the moment, we've crossed Eubank Senior, Eubank Junior, Ben Junior, Ben Senior, Hatton Junior, Hatton Senior, Richard Hatton, Rick, uh, Richard Hat Ricky Hatton's brother, Matthew Hatton, by the way, his son, who's a, I think he's a Southpaw, Ricky's training uh, his brother Matthew's son at the moment. He's a lovely kid. I think he's probably only about 14, 15, but he's very slick and long. Mm. Um, I really like it. I think it's in the genes. I think... You see dad do it. You see him successful. You want to do it. Um, I think there's no one you're going to... Boxing, boxing can be a very iniquitous place as well. And you just know that your family have got your best interests at heart. And I always mm. like to see families together. You know, I always really enjoyed Amir Khan's parents and dad around him, even though he wasn't a boxing guy. He became a boxing guy. And yeah. he was there for his son. So I think it's a big thing. And... and you know, if it if it's not working, then fair enough. Devin Haney and his and his dad, you know, 
Um, I've got so much time for Paul Haney. I mean, he's a terrific guy to stand. You must have chatted to him. He's a terrific guy to talk to. Very switched on. You can see where Devon gets it from. Totally dedicated. I love seeing the dedication of a father to his son. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Th- I love yeah, it. there's going to be no one that will have your back and cheer you in this no. this wild, wild west of a sport called boxing. And even the ones which people moan about. You look at the sons, they've all been successful. Danny Garcia's dad, yeah. very, very vocal. But look yeah. at the success. Tiafimo Lopez and his dad. Again, some people say he got it wrong, but look at the success. Yeah. So even when you think they're getting it wrong, they're successful as well. So yeah. it clearly, clearly works. All right, you listen to Final Extra. On Talksport 2. Next up, myself and Gareth will chat the heavyweights for the first time since two mega fights were announced. AJ fighting a boxer, Tyson Fury fighting an MMA guy. We want to make fights happen for our guys, and Tyson's been training constantly for a fight, so it'll be a massive game changer. I'm the boxing heavyweight champion, UFC heavyweight champion. And we're going to find out who is the baddest motherfucker on the planet. With Ngannou! Oh! Goes the room! Francis Ngannou has arrived! One of the most electric fighters in the world, and Dana White was only paying him 500k. He deserves big payday. Big, strong guy, full of muscles, and very accurate and very big puncher so you know it would definitely make for an interesting brawl that's for sure it's fastest and going a game changer i'll guarantee you you'll say to me in a couple of weeks that's a game changer welcome back to final extra here on talk sport 2 adi ladibo the great gareth a davis um we obviously i haven't done a show for a couple of weeks nick pete has done well filling in for me so we haven't spoke gareth about the heavyweights um we haven't spoke i don't believe since aj and dylan white uh, did their face off and was announced and we certainly haven't spoke since Tyson Fury um, announced that he's going to fight Francis Ngannou. Let, let's start with the boxing one first, AJ versus Dillian White. Um, what do you make of it? I mean, it always felt like these two were going to meet again sometime. Do you think this is the right time? Oh, I like it. I like it yeah. so much. I like the fight. Seven yeah. years on from their seven rounds of blood loss seven and a half years ago, not seven years, seven and a half years ago. Um, you know, uh, it's a good time for them to have it. They're both different men. They're both prize fighters now. They've both, both lost three times. They've been up, mm. they've been down. They've experienced a lot of different things. They showed their maturity at the press conference. There's still bad blood simmering underneath there. We're going to get some North and South London crime a crime in the ring, you know, yeah. a, bit, a bit of fistic crime um, and a bit of grime. You know, all those things. I mean, they didn't, they didn't spark off at the press conference. Dillian White had more of a go at Eddie Hearn than he did uh, Anthony Joshua. But he's made a lot of bucks with Eddie Hearn and worked very closely with him, of course. I really like the fact AJ went against his management and promotional team. I actually asked Frank Smith about that this morning as well. And he told me that AJ wants these fights and they're going to go with whatever he wants. There's a huge fight that the carrot that is being dangled for him is there, uh, Saudi Arabia in December. They're saying 60 million US dollars for him to fight Deontay Wilder. Good on you, AJ. He believes in himself. This is the right way to go. But for the loser, hard to go. And if Joshua loses this one in a bad way, he he may lose out on the Wilder fight and the Fury fight in the long term. And I wanted to see him fight both of those men before he departs. Yeah, there'll be a lot of question marks sort of thrown towards Joshua if he were to lose this one. Even if he were to win and look bad, I think there'll be question marks 
uh, as well. Um, you're, you're right about the press conference. I, I was there for it and it was completely different, obviously, to what it was seven years ago where they had so much built up anger and frustration and wanted to almost kill each other at the face off. This was two men, if you like, two matured men who understand now that you get paid fighting in the ring and yeah. not outside it. So it was um, it was a bit subdued. I, I did the face off and I felt like that was subdued as well. I, I remember watching- The gloves are off, Johnny you Nelson's did. One. Yes. Have I seen a couple of clips? No, I saw the old clip from that. You watching it with your mate. Yes. And AJ was yeah. very good on that clip. It was very good, wasn't he? It was very, very, both of them were really, really good. So it yeah. was a bit of a surreal moment watching it and then obviously being told, uh, being asked to do it. How was, were they? Can nice. you reveal a little bit of how were they? Let's, it, it, I don't think it, I don't think it simmered the way it did seven years ago. Mm. And um, obviously in my head, I'm, th I'm hope, like, I'm wanting it to, I'm wanting to kind of, them. in my head, look, the, the peak of the face-offs are Frotch Groves and maybe Chisora Dillian White. So those are, that's the gold standard. We didn't get to see that. We didn't I get hope that, you we were poking the bear properly, Mr. Oladipo. Uh, I poked it and they even poked at me. Okay. They poked at me. Oh, so well, they, they responded like, we know what you're doing here. Yeah, they responded. Well, Dylan White did anyway. He kind of looked at me like, like basically your team AJ type thing. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm, you I'm are here team as a AJ. Observer. I'm going to. Uh, no, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> It's so but, um, funny, isn't it? Everyone accuses us of being team this, that, or the other. Yeah, you're team Fury. I'm team AJ. It's like, come on, we just appreciate good boxers. But um, yeah, look, I, I hope for a good one that is sold out the O2 Arena, which was important because I think AJ sold out the white, sorry, the Franklin fight, but it trickled over the line. Yeah. This one got over the line straight away, which I think is important for AJ's marketability. Is he still the man? So uh, I think we can answer that with a yes, he is. But I think he's got to look good. Quickly, before we wrap, I want to talk about Fury and Garner. Obviously, that's been signed as well. It happens in Saudi Arabia in October. Mixed. I, I wouldn't even say mixed. I think mostly negative, the response has been. Um, you can understand why. Look, the heavyweight champion's fighting an MMA guy. I will say this from the jump. I'm so happy for Francis. Francis is going to get paid. We're hearing it's going to be really good, high eight figures, which is yeah. incredible, which yeah. is more than he would have made his whole UFC career. But I am slightly disappointed in Tyson Fury as well. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody wanted to see the WBC belt being defended by the champion. Yeah. Uh, everyone wanted to see Fury against Usyk or Fury uh, against Joshua. Those are the fights that need to be made. Before this heavyweight era ends, we really need to see uh, Joshua versus Wilder, um, Fury versus Usyk, and Fury, uh, and what's the other one? And Joshua, ver hang on, which one am I missing? And Joshua versus Fury. Those are the three yes. fights for me that have got to happen this era. Let's hope they all do happen. Um, you know, I've talked about it almost till I'm blue in the face. Um, I didn't, I wanted Fury to fight a WBC contender this time around, but every fighter you speak to and every promoter you speak to says, if that kind of money was on the line, I would have taken it as well. Um, and so that, that's the bottom line really. As much it is, as, um, it is, it is. As much as I can be upset about it, every fighter would do this. Yeah. So as much as I think Tyson Fury shouldn't be doing it, yeah. I think if every fighter was honest and every promoter was honest, every manager, they're all doing exactly the same thing. Why would you not want to go and fight someone that I think Fury a could novice with one at hand. boxing? You know, yeah, one and, hand. I know he's a big guy, million but Fury quid. Him. You know, you know what I mean? Who, who wouldn't do that? We're seeing well, all the footballers going to Saudi Arabia, yeah. yeah, and they're doing exactly the same thing. They're playing in yeah. a, a league which is Sunday league standard, yeah. and they're going to make. 
millions doing it and they're running over to do it. So why wouldn't a fighter yeah, exactly. do exactly the same exactly. thing? Exactly. It's a shame. It's the way boxing works. As, as I've said, my kind of reasoning is this now. Let's judge all these guys and what they did in a couple of years' time in this era is over. And if they fail to have any of those fights they should have had, you know? Mm, yeah, I guess the disappointing thing is we've spoken about Inoue Fulton. We've spoken about uh, Crawford, Spence. Every other division's given us what we want right now. Yeah, but they they've don't. The other divisions do not have the money that the heavyweight division. They're not being teased over. This isn't what I want to happen. This is what is actually happening. I'm just commenting as an observation on it. If the other divisions were getting the same tease from Saudi, they'd be doing the same thing. Yeah, no, maybe you are correct. Uh, Gareth A. Davis, I know you've you've got to run. Busy, busy man as always. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate you giving us some time, Gareth. Thank oh, you very much. Stop it. Always a pleasure. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Uh, look, me and Gareth will be back next week as we recap on what I think is the biggest fight. Maybe not financially, but I think stylistically and what's at stake, the biggest fight of the decade. Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.